Welcome to Archetypes and Anarchy, a podcast created by me, Courtney Floyd, and my Introduction to Fiction students at the University of Oregon in spring of 2018. Episode 9, Revisiting Little Red Riding Hood. Hi, welcome to our Anarchy episode. We will be discussing versions of Little Red Riding Hood, uh, specifically the ones by Charles Perrault, which was first published in the late 17th century. Hi, my name is Whit. And my name is Whitney. And I'm Michael, and this is our podcast. And for those of you that don't know, uh, Little Red Riding Hood, the basic general idea of the story is that you have a young girl who is on her way to see her grandmother who lives about an hour off into the woods and along that journey she encounters a wolf who then proceeds to try and deceive her and get his way which is food and that doesn't align with what Little Red Riding Hood wants obviously so that is where we stand now. So before we get down and start talking about some more modern interpretations that we've looked at. Let's just talk about the story in general and the other versions that came out around that same time and get an idea of just what Little Red Riding Hood is. What do you guys think? Well, what I think is really interesting is in this version, uh, she gets eaten by the wolf. But in comparison to the Grimm version, which is like another one of those more popular stories, they escape. A hunter comes and literally cuts the grandma and the and little red out of the wolf's belly and then fills it with stones, which is just gross just to start off with. But it's also interesting because Grimm is known for how gory their stories were. And yes, that's gory, but it had a happy ending while the pro version does not. Yeah, and I think like not having that happy ending is kind of obviously implied. Like he wants you to like look more at the like the moral of the story, which is like there's like a cause and effect of, you know talking to strangers, which is, like, I kind of think what he wanted, or I don't really know what we, like, mentioned earlier, but just kind of, like, he wants to emphasize his point instead of saying, okay, it's all happily ever after, you know, it's all going to work out. I think he just, like, really wanted to touch on... No, it's not going to work yeah, out. exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, what I thought was really interesting, what you mentioned earlier before we started recording, was that it didn't say in the pro version that the mother... The mother didn't tell her to be safe. The mother just right. sent her off. She didn't say stay on the path, and she died in the end yeah like mom where are you at where are you at with your good uh your good suggestions which makes this version like a lot more like real like I think it shows like okay this is like what can actually happen I mean obviously kind of a fiction-based way of telling it but it definitely tells like a real story of things that could happen even in modern day and that's why I was confused with the versions because I was like okay is this a parenting lesson or a childing lesson because like you said in the one version she specifically says like you know like watch out and then you feel like Little Red Riding Hood's making the mistakes because she's not listening to her mother and then you have kind of the other versions the mother just basically says go on your way always blame the mom guys (laughs) and then she feels deceived right so then you feel like well who let this little girl out in the woods by herself without information. So it's kind of like, that's what I thought was interesting about those two versions. Even though they all end about the same, it's like in one version you kind of find yourself mad at her, and the other version you kind of find yourself mad at the mom, I guess. This one you kind of find yourself mad at both. You're just like, why did she not say anything, and why did she not just trust her own intuition to not talk to someone she didn't know? But, I mean, we don't really know how old she is. And also the irony is 
the wolf was the bad guy, and we're not blaming the wolf at all. <laughs> right. So we're victim blaming everyone. We're victim blaming. Oh no. Yeah. So um, I think that's like a good transition into the next portion of our episode, which we'll be attributing to unwrapping this fairy tale and comparing it to t- typical elements that fairy tales primarily consist of. Um, I mean, I can start by just defining like what archetypes mean, just so we all are kind of like aware of what we're going to be talking about. Yeah. All right. We're just going to do it. Do you want to go through and not cut it? No, yeah, cut that so we can. Yeah, stop. Okay, and so then for the next portion, we're just going to get more in depth with the story and like talk about archetypes and how, you know, the differences between fairy tales, like normal fairy tales, and if this specific one by Perot follows those. So we're going to unwrap the fairy tale and compare it to typical elements um, that fairy tales primarily consist of. These elements are defined um, as archetypes, which is a very typical element or example of a certain person or thing. I think um, when looking for examples, it's important to analyze what a typical fairy tale normally consists of. Uh, as defined in our week two notes from the class by our teacher, Courtney Floyd, a couple things that were mentioned is the short narrative, familiar stories usually passed down by generations. Um, it usually arises from the common people. The scope of a fairy tale is made by the language. Um, also important factors are character types and a story that follows a typical narrative, which is um, a problem arises, a journey for the protagonist to solve the problem, and then a happily ever after uh, normally. So diving into, I think one of the first things, uh, short narrative. This story definitely fit the short narrative. And one thing I'll say about fairy tales is I didn't know that short narratives was really a part of fairy tales because I've only seen them in movies. So you grew up with Disney, you get all these interpretations of Cinderella, Sleeping Beauty, and, and they're long movies. And then you go back and you look at the original versions of these fairy tales and they're usually pretty short stories like this Red Riding Hood. So there's a lot of gaps that get filled in by movie makers that I wasn't really aware of until now looking at some of these fairy tales. Right. And that's what I appreciate so much about the fairy tale narrative. You know, you get all these different versions because these versions are filling in the blanks that you're not getting. We discussed how you know, there's no father figure in this. And it's like, well, is there time to show this father figure? No, there's not. There's, there wasn't a point, right? But there could be one. There might not be one. And that might also be part of it. There's no father figure. She gets eaten by this big bad wolf. Like that could be a correlation or it couldn't be, but that's the joy. That's the, the love of these fairy tales is that you can create something from it. And that's how you get all these different renditions is because they're filling in those blank spaces that you don't see behind the scenes. And that's the joy of the short narrative. Yeah, and I think also leaving those gaps kind of, like, allows for, I mean, like, we've had to read, like, multiple versions of Little Red Riding Hood, and I think, like, that plays into when you read one that's, like, a lot shorter and has more gaps, because you're, like, you subconsciously think, oh, I already know I'm filling in these gaps from previous stories. Like, I know this is probably what had happened based on what other people have said about Mm -hmm. it. So I think, like, that plays into it a little bit. Like, we're kind of getting them sometimes confused, because we're like, oh, wait, how many days had he not eaten? You know, we're like, maybe yeah. it had been months, three days, I don't know. We Like, you kind of just fill in those gaps in your head without even really going over them again. The familiarity of the story is also just so interesting. What Michael was saying to me earlier uh, off of the podcast was how he, he doesn't remember the beginning or the end or what really happens. And, you know, some people remember the Perot version where she uh, gets eaten or they remember the Grimm version where she escapes. But... What we always consistently remember is that conversation when the wolf is becoming the grandma and little red comes in like, oh, what big ears you have. Well, better to hear you with my darling. Like we will forever remember that. It's just ingrained in us. And, and that stays pretty consistent throughout 
the Little Red Riding Hood stories is that there's that conversation with the wolf where she's, where Little Red is just naive enough to believe what this wolf is saying. Like, yeah, your, your, your grandma does not have that big of ears and she's not hairy, like, so naive of her, you know? Yeah. And it definitely brings, like, that suspense where, like, you know the climax of the story is about to happen. And I think, like, that's kind of just, like, usually what sticks in people's minds when they read stories. It's like, oh, when's the main part where everything happens and the it's, like, event, unravels? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, like I said, I didn't even... I thought I was an expert on this story. Oh, it's a Little an Red expert. Riding Hood. I'm an expert. We all know Little Red, Red Riding Hood <laughs> because there's that part where what big ears you have like this, right? But then I realized, oh, I didn't even know how this story started. And I definitely didn't know how this story ended until I read it. Before I opened it, I was like, wait a minute. Can I honestly even say how this ends? Like, yeah. I didn't know if someone got eaten or not. Like, I was guessing that no one did get eaten because it's a little kid fairy tale. And right. I didn't guess that that's how it would happen. And the Disney movies I watched as kids never ended that way. So I was actually pretty surprised when I was like, these people just got eaten by a wolf. And I think that with Little Red Riding Hood, it kind of is like set apart from other fairy tales because it has that rhyming aspect where you just remember it. And not all fairy tales usually have that. So I just think that that's what really sets it apart and makes it memorable for all of us. They have a scene you specifically remember. It's like, yeah, like, I know all of Cinderella and all of Sleeping Beauty and all of that kind of thing. But I don't know the exact words, like maybe the fairy godmother song that we heard at Disney. But again, that's not even the original fairy tale. But we all know the conversation between wolf slash grandma. And I think even with that example of Cinderella, we all know the glass slipper part. Yeah, that's what's iconic from that fairy tale. Mm -hmm. And I think just like that's what makes a good fairy tale and that's what makes it go through all the years and stay with us is just having that one part where, you know, you can make jokes of, you can like just remember. What I really love about Little Red Riding Hood is to me anyway, there really is no hero. There's no bad guy. Like, yes, you have these these archetypal characters that you see throughout. You have your wolf and your wolf is representing like this big bully, this animal. So you have this animalistic view of not having human moralities, human sensibilities, even though this wolf can have a conversation with a human, but that's a whole nother story. But there really is no hero and there's no bad guy because this wolf, like he said, he hasn't eaten in three days. Like He's just hungry. He's just trying to eat. This is how he survives. That's not really a bad guy, right? And there's no good guy because with Little Red, she's just a character. I mean, she's the main character for sure, but she's not doing anything. This The story's very stale. There really is no ups and downs. And I think going characters. back to what when we said we were victim-blaming in the beginning, right. and I think this is why, because our minds were having trouble like blaming the wolf for just eating, right? Where if this was a a wolf eating a sheep, you'd a be like a person sure. character oh, out there in the woods right. who was stalking Little Red Riding Hood. We would all have just been focused on how bad that person was. Right. But because there's a wolf involved, he's an animal, and he's gonna eat. We've been blaming Red Riding Hood, the grandmother, the mother, trying to figure out how they could have solved the issue. Mm-hmm. And I think it's kind of interesting that like we as like readers don't see him as that bad guy, but I can definitely see in the story how. You know, Perot is trying to make us seem like he's the bad guy because at the end he's like, oh, and the wicked wolf. He's um, the predator. Yeah. So he, they want us to view him as like that, but we just can't because we don't blame him for. And I think that was part of it because since the story is about deception, this wolf doesn't just see her and eat her. He deceives her. And if he's not a wolf, maybe he can't deceive her like that. That's where her confusion comes in. Like, because if he was just a villain, she would, would run away. But you she's, would hope. It, she yeah. seems a little naive, I'm not but sure. But she's able to be confused because 
he's a wolf. And I feel like that sort of makes it mysterious. And the whole fairy tale themed part about how it's danger, but it's it's a wolf. It's a talking wolf. And Can we just talk about the grandma for a second? Like, we haven't talked about how this wise older lady got eaten. Like, we're, you know, Little Red messed up, but grandma, hello, you just let a wolf into your house to eat you. Like, whose fault's that? Yeah. Well, in the one version I was reading, the wolf knocks on the door claiming to be Red Riding Hood. What an impersonator. And the grandma can't answer the door because he's, she's um, sick. So she says, come in. And then once he's in, I guess the wolf and the sick grandma, that battle's going to go. Grandma, I know you live in the woods, but lock your door. Stranger danger. So if we really wanted to find our character types, we could call the wolf the trickster. You know, he, he tricked the grandma. He tricked Little Red. I'm surprised he didn't trick the hunter, like you said. Yeah. I mean, he's taking on multiple personalities, and I think that's, like, what really defines him as that trickster is they can do all these different things, you know, that most normal people... I mean, like, who would really believe that he was both the grandma and, you know... Little red. That's just kind of. Uh, he's a survivalist, yeah. and he's probably done yeah. this before. He's just trying to. Oh. <laughs> so now it's, I think it's important to dive into some of the modern retellings that all of us got a chance to look at. Uh, before I even get into it, I think it's funny that all of us unknowingly ended up picking a modern retelling that is through the wolf's point of view. So in the retelling that I chose, I think it's really interesting, super unique. Because it's not even necessarily a retelling of the story Little Red Riding Hood, but we all know the movie Shrek, um, specifically Shrek the Third, which came out in 2007 and was directed by Ryan Miller. Um, this movie, Red Riding Hood and the, and the Wolf make appearances in, in the second movie also, but the roles of the original story get completely reversed in Shrek the Third because you have scenes where Little Red Riding Hood is kind of portrayed as like, a little punk, if you will, and she's ornery. And there's even a scene where she's pickpocketing um, during like Prince Charming's uh, little pillage that he's doing. And you kind of see the wolf, and he's considered to be one of the good guys. He's always hanging out with the good guys in the scenes he's in. And he's kind of more of like a baby, and like he's definitely not a de- deceitful, like scary wolf. And I think the reason for that is because. You have to, again, go back to the story of Shrek. The story of Shrek takes place in a world where every character that's ever been involved in any fairy tale that we like, um, good or foe, all live in this world together. And in that world, they're almost like employees or not employees, like characters that all the fairy tales they were a part of that we liked was like that was their job. So they went and made that fairy tale, but living in the world together, they don't actually take on those roles. So in the movie Shrek, it's like the wolf and Red Riding Hood went and made their fairy tale together. But once they come back into the real world, the wolf is actually this little wolf who's nice and Red Riding Hood's actually this ornery girl who's annoying. And it's almost like they were acting while doing the fairy tale. But then us back on Earth, we enjoy the fairy tale. And Shrek is like a portal into the world of all fairy tale creatures is kind of how I take it. So I think another reason why these character roles are in a way reversed is going back to said about gaps and in interpretation, it could also be that the writers of Shrek, their gaps in Little Red Riding Hood was that's what they saw. Maybe in their, when they saw the story, they saw a little punk girl and a hungry wolf. So Shrek, which is a fairy tale amongst itself, gave them the opportunity to express those characteristics 
on in all the fairy tale characters they have in the movie that they couldn't express in the actual fairy tale because they're interpreting it and because of their crazy world that they created where the fairy tales characters detach from their fairy tales and all coexist together that allowed for this interpretation to really go in flawlessly without him having to even retell their individual story so again he just he's not retelling the little red riding hood story and changing the roles he's just taking those characters and showing you how off screen if you will they're different people and not the same people that we interpreted them from the original red riding hood story and i think the main reason for that is because again going back to shrek how it's structured it's kind of like a reversal of typical fairy tales almost like poking fun at them in a way because shrek is like the ugly ogre and he's sent to go get a princess for a prince which is totally anti-fairy tale because any fairy tale i ever remember the prince is going out and getting his own princess and saving her but this movie starts with a prince who's just a baby himself he has to go get an ogre to go get his miss his his princess and that's just so anti-fairy tale so then when you see a lot of the characters coming in like little red riding hood and the root and the wolf they change and reverse a lot of the aspects and it just gives you an interpretation of the directors and screenwriters versions of those stories um take the evil stepsister that comes in the movie she's actually a good guy and not an evil terrible stepsister like she is in the story Cinderella so I think Shrek kind of does that with a lot of characters and it only made sense to do that same exact thing with Little Red Riding Hood and the wolf and then kind of show you more of a round character instead of something flat you would get from a fairy tale because it is a movie and you're given the on-screen time to visually show those gaps which we talked about before that when you're reading a, an old fairy tale you have to quickly do with your mind when directors and screenwriters can make a long film they get to take their time in filling in all those gaps and shrek kind of gives you like a psychology breakdown of why these fairy tale characters act the way they do in the fairy tales that we love so overall like i said this is a very unique retelling because it doesn't do the retelling directly through showing you a completely new version of Little Red Riding Hood and the Wolf. It just shows you these characters acting a different way than you're used to, which allows you to interpret the characters in a different way than you're used to seeing them or, or hearing them in the original stories. Going back to what Michael said earlier, so we all pretty much picked um, a wolf's perspective type of story of a retelling of Little Red Riding Hood. And the one that I decided to choose was... Riding Hood Revisited, The Wolf's Perspective by F. Forrester Church. The reason I chose this story was because it gives the original story depth and it shows that every story can be seen from multiple perspectives and kind of challenged the idea of the antagonist being wicked or evil. Uh, before the story even started, the author, Forrester Church, started by explaining the meaning that, you know, details can change according to the teller's perspective. And I think this has to do with life as well. And like, it's filled with stories and it's a useful thing to know that depending on who's telling the story, it can be completely different than another version of it. Um, and I think this kind of plays into a different meaning as well, that not just to only not talk to strangers like in the for, like the version in Pro, but that everything can change based on who tells the story. And I'm just going to give a quick summary of the story that I decided to choose for the retelling. Uh, the story begins with Once Upon a Time and explains how there was a good wolf who was very helpful and noticed a girl dressed in red in the woods. Although he was frightened at first because he explains that humans have a history of cruelty towards wolves, 
Um, he overcame his fear and talked to this little girl. She explained she was going to see her ill grandmother and bring her treats. After she left, he realized she was naive and that he should walk her home because the woods can be scary. And as explained in the story, it was woods are, you know, equivalent to life and death. So the wolf raced to the little girl's grand grandmother's house and knocked on the door, unknowing if she was already there. He walked in and found the grandmother dead from being so ill. He heard the little girl approaching the house and acted quickly by eating the grandmother and putting on her clothes in order to protect the little girl from the shock of seeing her grandmother dead. When the little girl entered and noticed the differences in her grandmother, she, re she realized it was the wolf and ran screaming. The wolf ran after her to explain, but before he had the chance, the hunter leapt from under the bushes and shot him dead. Forrester Church ends the tale with including this quote that I'll just read real quickly. Um, even though the, wolf, the good wolf was killed, in a way he died for all wolves, for though the example of his life, generations of wolves have been inspired to perform unself-regarding deeds of kindness. There's a second moral as well. Wolves tend to remember events in ways flattering to themselves, but surely we can forgive them for this. After all, it's only human. And I think that the author adding this little piece that wasn't really, it's kind of aside from the story at the end, kind of to give you some perspective, was pretty ironic. Because I think we use that phrase a lot where we say it's only human. And I think when comparing it to someone or a thing that's not human, it kind of like redirects that saying and it kind of uses it ironically. And I just think that was like a pretty interesting aspect that he decided to include. So unlike Michael's version where it was kind of just like a part of a different story, this retelling is pretty much the almost the same as the original version that we decided to talk about earlier in the episode. And I think what it really mainly does is fills in the gap of the time where Little Red Riding Hood was walking to her grandmother, but during this time we're able to see what the wolf is thinking and his intentions for doing what he's doing. And I think that's like a really important thing to add to these narratives because we really don't know what, you know, the quote-unquote antagonist is thinking and why he's making these decisions. And filling in these gaps really is helpful and it kind of makes you sympathize with the evil person as we think of them. And I think it just kind of changes the overall meaning, how we're just so quick to assume that some things can be so evil when we don't really know their side. It really gives them that round part, uh, gives them that backstory of why they decided to, you know, he didn't just decide to eat the grandmother. He, in reality, was trying to protect this, like, naive girl from seeing her dead grandmother, which who would, you know, no one wants someone so young to see that at such a young age. And I think also another thing to take note of in the very beginning which it was interesting that he was so frightened to even talk to the girl. Um, he wasn't really trying to trick her or anything. He was just scared to go talk to her because it said in the story that humans have a history of cruelty towards wolves, which is kind of like a twist on what we think. Obviously, we think that wolves are scary and they're predators and they're trying to like hurt us when they're just trying to, you know, circle of life. They're just trying to eat and they're just trying to feed. And that's what they have is you can't really distinguish a human from any other any other sort of prey that you know, that they have. So I think that that was an important thing. And it kind of gave you more of a backstory again, about why he made those decisions and why he was even scared in the first place to talk to her. So overall, I think this author, Forrester Church, really kind of opens our eyes to backstories of quote unquote, antagonists and what we, you know, think about them as and I think it twisted the narrative from the original story that we talked about earlier. And gives it all these characters more of a round perspective and changes your 
you know, original views of how you've always seen the wolf as the bad guy and shows, you know, he's not such a bad guy. He just, he is not fully being represented as a character in Perot's version. Continuing our conversation about looking at Little Red Riding Hood through the wolf's perspective, I found a song called Through Wolf's Eyes by Elvin King. And it's about the wolf and how he's in love with Little Red Riding Hood. And it's that, it's, it's a story about that, and it's, it's a little interesting, and because it's a song, it's a lot like a fairy tale where there's just a lot of questions left unanswered, and, and that's okay, but it really, there's a couple lines in here that I want to note at. He fell in love and followed her through the woods. So for him, it was, it was love at first sight, which is a very fairy tale perspective. That's always what seems to happen. Um, and, but then it goes on to say, quote, a wolf will never feel. That is what they say. So they there's still a perspective in there, even though it is from the wolf's side of view of him being in love that the wolf is still a bad guy. So there's still the sense of negativity connotation around the wolf's love for this girl. And it doesn't give an age for Little Red Riding Hood. Um, so I think that's worth noting. But it continues on. And what the wolf does in this song, this story, is he eats the grandma to show his love, which is just, you know, like, he is a wolf, so we have to think about that. Is that how maybe he was presenting the grandma as a gift? Again, it doesn't quite say. There's there's so many, there's so much room for your own interpretations and your own filling in the blanks, of, as we said a thousand times, but but it continues on to say how he was going to show his love for her. And it, and then the lyrics says, The only chance to let her know how he felt, eating her grandma and sneaking into her bed. That does not go over well. And Little Red comes in and it says, But she started screaming loud, Oh, help me, please. And it says, The wolf was struck with what they call the broken heart disease. And so in the end of this this version of Little Red Riding Hood, the, the wolf dies, but he dies because of Red Riding Hood, because she didn't feel the same way about him. Um, And so let's start breaking that down. Let's talk about how love doesn't necessarily conquer all and and that anyone can fall in love. So we have this wolf character, right? And and in this, this rendition, the wolf is still bad. He's still known as being something that people still view as the antagonist, even though this, the song is from his perspective. Um, So let's talk about how the age of Little Red, and it doesn't say how old she is, but that's what the interpretations are for. Like, I can make my interpretations, and her name is still Little Red Riding Hood, and I guess that nickname could carry on into adulthood, but that's not what the story is about. The story is about a little girl. And so we have this wolf who is, again, we're assuming older, liking this little girl and that doesn't make it okay love doesn't make everything okay love doesn't conquer all and then he goes on to eat the grandma to show his love which it doesn't have any explanation for that and I honestly don't know if I can give one because I don't know in any world where eating your loved ones would be like nice maybe and part of me looks at its animalistic size and says okay well maybe this was like a food offering and he knows that little red was heading to his grandma her grandma's house and in his animal mind, this means less than what it would mean to him. So she kills, he kills the grandma. And in the grim version, he offers Little Red the grandma's food. The grandma has food, the, the, her flesh and blood, to eat it. And she does eat it. And so maybe this was a gift. Maybe he ate the grandma 
and he was going to offer the grandma as a gift because that's what animals do. Like you kill for your for your pack so they don't go hungry. So maybe that was his intention. He was like, okay, I'm going to kill the grandma because that's where she, I know she's going to be and I'm going to give her food. That's what wolves do to to show that they care. It's just their animal instinct. And wrapping all this up, I think the main thing to take away from this is that, you know, in, in Perot's version, it's, it's don't talk to strangers. And in this song, it's love doesn't conquer all. Love doesn't mean anything. And, and a bad guy can fall in love, but doesn't mean that they're going to get love back. It doesn't justify it. And the wolf's love was more of a selfish love and not a selfless love. And that's what love is. It's everything. It's, it's so many different ways it can be conveyed. It can be pushed across all sorts of different platforms. So I think that wraps up talking about Little Red Riding Hood in our podcast today. We made a lot of good points. Uh, we were able to examine the story, some similar stories, and then look at some really good modern re reinterpretations of those stories. So thank you so much for listening, and we're excited for you to hear our next podcast. Thank you. Archetypes and Anarchy is produced by me, Courtney Floyd, and researched and written by my spring 2018 Introduction to Fiction students at the University of Oregon. Our theme music is Music Box by The Underscore Orchestra, and our closing music is Wolf, It's Really Rather Rad by High Arches, both of which are available under a Creative Commons license at the Free Music Archive. The sound of the wolf that lives in the woods That comes to my back door from time to time Shake the hand of the sun that burns above Reaches down over everyone Got your jackal and heart, your monster inside Pouring water over your fire I incurl us a soul, then I need to go Back into the woods, I'm told Not a single living thing needs to be left out You can find in the garden what's missing in yourself There's a spider web that can access Connected by the number nine can you think in visions and breathe in rhythms? Dream an ocean over your lips. It brings a deeper meaning, a powerful feeling. Brings us the myths we're told. And it's only clean water that supports the things that we're trying to grow. Not a single living cell needs to be left out. Finding the garden what's missing in yourself Have you seen the way the speaker makes a pattern in the sand When the frequency is just right, oh man, it's really rather rare